Hey there, everyone. This is Dan Figella here with Tech Emergence, where we interview marketers, entrepreneurs, researchers, investors in the domain of emerging technology. And we've been on a little bit of a marketing kick for quite some time, actually, the last three months or so. And I'd like to focus a little bit more B2B now. So I brought on Mr. Douglas Burdett, who runs the marketing agency Artillery LLC. He's out of New York now. Um, and uh, Mr. Douglas is on the horn with us right now. Douglas, how are you? Hey, Dan. Uh, good. I'm actually in uh, Virginia, but I spent a lot of my career uh, on Madison Avenue in New York. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. That's where you got your start there. So regardless, um, either way, you can't trust LinkedIn these days, man. By golly. <laughs> right. um, but uh, but anywho, hey, I I uh, I was excited to chat with you very specifically about the nuances of B two B. I know that that's what you write about uh, to to you know a decently great extent. In fact, I've seen some of your own work on your blog there. Um, and a lot of the startup companies, the folks I'm talking to, I'd say probably, man, I mean maybe more than half in at least the last couple months have been folks that are going to be chasing companies and, and uh, many of them chasing larger companies, folks that want to take off an enterprise or something like that. When you talk about the difference between, you know, when people talk about B2B and B2C, clearly you're marketing yourself as a B2B guy. What does that really mean and imply to you? Um, well, uh, you know, B2B, business to business uh, versus business to consumer, um, uh, and and I, as background, I should say, I, a lot of my career has been in B2C, uh, you know, working on things like Toys R Us and uh, mouth, Listerine mouthwash. And Those are pretty like B2C, that. yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's, it's about it's, as B2C you know, direct, as it gets. Directly to the consumers. Um, uh, in terms of B2B, it's, uh, you know, selling to other uh, businesses. And it's, uh, I think it's a little more complicated. And I think that this is a time in history when there's a lot more uh, tools available to companies that are selling to other companies. Big time. Um, it's generally a longer sales cycle. Uh, it's a more complicated sales cycle. There's usually more people involved in the purchase. And I would submit that B2B uh, is more emotional than B2C. And, huh. and here's why. Um, if you buy the wrong kind of socks or you have your house roofed by an incompetent person or you buy the wrong kind of car, you're out that money, but um, that, that's about it. If you're working for a company and you buy the wrong uh, solution, the wrong software or something, it's expensive, um, but it also uh, affects the company's ability. Uh, it might affect their future profitability or even ability to stay in business, and careers are at stake. Yeah. So anyone that tells you that B2B is uh, a logical, linear, emotional um milieu is sorely mistaken. Emotions run high in the B2B world. It's just that nobody wants to, to acknowledge that. Huh. That's, that's actually curious, and I think that that's maybe something that's, that's underplayed in many respects. You know, they talk about in the speaking world, I still do some college gigs as of now, they talk about how ultimately a lot of the time the person that hires you, I mean, they're not getting paid extra to bring on you as a speaker, but um, they'd like to look good. That's sort of as much of a benefit as they can get is to look good, make the right choice. People have a good experience. They're responsible for organizing it. So you, your gig is sort of um, to shine the proper light on them. It sounds like, an, and actually, interestingly enough, I don't think I put that lens on enough uh, when talking about even selling software or a consulting service or something. And, and for you, it, it sounds as though that's a pretty pivotal uh, set of goggles to wear. I think so, and I think a lot of people... Um... <laughs> forget that um, and, and the reason why is that the more and I know I sound like a Madison Avenue ad man here but the more that you can focus in on the emotions and the fears and the aspirations of the people involved in the purchase 
the, the more effective you're going to be. Yeah, they called it copywriting, I think. <laughs> Good copy. No, no, but yeah, no, exactly. Um, but uh, okay, so and and I, I suppose, Douglas, maybe one of the points you're getting across here with B two B is that we are not just talking about the uh, potential benefit of said products, such as scope and fresh breath. Uh, we are talking about people's careers, how they look to their bosses, advancements, and in. in uh, in their own, you know, job opportunities and things along those lines. So we want to, as always, as marketers, I suppose, um, aspire to strike a chord with the real triggers, the real actual emotional drivers at stake. And, and what you're saying is that we need to think outside of product benefit. We're selling B2B and think about those relationship dynamics and the company dynamics and, and selling to that. Yeah. You know, you, 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 if you, as a B2B marketer, if you, uh, skip over what's keeping the people up at night that isn't that are involved in the, the purchase you're selling yourself short obviously um, people will want to have all the product information um, but people make decisions for emotional reasons um, it's that part of the brain that has the animal instincts the flight or fight part yeah they will use the product information and all the other aspects of it to back up an emotional decision. Interesting. Yeah. It, it uh, it, it, and, and, you know, I suppose as, as marketers, we're often, we're often told that. I think that the interesting point to glean here um, is really what you'd sort of brought up is, is that, you know, the, the, what's keeping them up at night, you know, when someone's getting a roofing gig, for their house, what's keeping them up at night is their roof might cave in. They want to increase the value of the home. They're worried about termite. I have no idea. You know, I, I don't. Uh, not not one for a home improvement, really. But you know, some folks are. So, um, so uh, you know, so that's that's what you're sort of appealing to. What you're talking about here is what's keeping someone up at night from buying your software as a service to manage their you know business information on you know company wide dashboards is not necessarily just the increased you know, functionality and, and, uh, you know, ability to, to talk about the same metrics in the same way and, and, uh, you know, embed and, and, you know, hook up those information channels in, in the proper way, shape and form, but also is, uh, the, the emotional drivers of the person who's making the buying decision, you know, how, how do they need to look and appear? Um, where are their actual aspirations? What, what are they nervous about or excited about, about this purchase? Not just the benefits, but them personally, what is, what is, you know, with this decision for them outside of just the espoused benefits that this nice, fancy software can bring it? You're talking a little bit about appealing to that. Yeah. And I think that uh, I agree. And also, um, what happens a lot of times in B2B, uh, marketing is that the company that's doing the marketing is deeply in love with all the features and benefits of their own product. Yeah, they that, are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, you know, it makes sense to me why they would be. And But they are also um, not seeing the forest for the trees, and they tend to want to talk about themselves more. Um, so <laughs> in, if, instead, if, if, if they can focus more on um, what is, uh, how their, how their, uh, how their product or service is going to either help the prospect uh, avoid pain or seek pleasure, um, they're going to um, have a probably a faster connection with that prospect. Big time. Um, so, yeah, interesting to make note. I mean, it's 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 funny that it's just the same classic marketing problems that are talked about just across the board. You know, if you don't understand marketing, you're essentially going to 
show up and ramble, and the features are going to be so fascinating because you spent so much time on them. Um, but shucks, that doesn't really do you all that much good. So interesting sort of addition of the relationship dynamic in there as well. And one of the topics I, I wanted to speak to um, in this session as well, and maybe we can bring that insight to light here, is that uh, a, a lot of the companies and the folks that you know, we're even going to have tuning in here at Tech Emergence are in early stages of uh, building their companies or are aiming to kind of set up bigger launches in the B2B world. If someone's really looking to kick a business off, bring on their initial customers, get this thing out to the types of businesses, whether it's auto dealers, whether it's uh, you know companies that are using email software, whatever the case may be, they're looking to launch out to businesses. Um, what have you seen you know, in terms of not necessarily any kind of panacea here, but best practices, maybe common pitfalls, general advice for a B2B-oriented company that's looking to launch out into that world. What should they do? What should they avoid? Um, I think that they should, uh, like I said, uh, they should not talk so much about themselves at first. Um, and uh, hopefully they've worked out their business strategy as to how they're different and why, they're, why they have this company. Um, they might want to read Simon Sinek's book, uh, Start With Why. Um, and that one, one TED Talk, and that guy is just all set. Yeah, and he's actually going to be, uh, I know you're in Cambridge, he's going to be speaking at uh, the Inbound Conference in Boston this September. I know that one of your neighbors there is the HubSpot um, Yeah, they, they, they sure are. Wow, I didn't know he was going to be there. Good fun yeah, fact. Yeah, he is. Good fun and, fact. Uh, it's, uh, I've been to two of those conferences and they're really fantastic great but, um, what I would then suggest is uh, drilling down to who your buyer persona is and if any of your listeners are not familiar just go to buyerpersona.com that's the website for the Buyer Persona Institute which is established by uh, the leading expert on buyer personas Adele Ravella and that is where you start to um, uh, focus in on how your product is how your product is found and researched and uh, decided upon, and who the different players are. Um, and I'll give you a quick example that illustrates this: the story of a since we're tech emergence, um, the story of a software company. They uh, sold soft. This one software company uh, sold a product for law firms, so they figured, uh, well, we should be targeting lawyers. Um, and so they did the normal things. This, uh, you know, they might have tried a lot of direct mail. They went to law, legal trade shows. They probably blasted a lot of emails of, of yeah. paid, paid lists out at lawyers. Um, tried calling, cold calling. That probably wasn't working as well. And it just, it really wasn't working out. They were, they were not converting very well. And um, so then they did what a lot of uh, companies should do is talk to the sales guys, <laughs> the guys in the trenches. And they started to zero in on the fact of uh, the, the product, this software product, um, was actually uh, much more interesting to the law firm practice administrators. In other words, she would have to um, uh, research this product. Um, she would have to implement the product at the practice. Um, and he or she already knew what the budgets were for being able to buy a new software solution. Um, and then she would go to the partners, the owners of the uh, practice, and say, well, this is my recommendation, and this is the budget, and this is you know how we're going to implement it, and this is what we want to do. And in most 
all instances, uh, the partners or the owners would say, great, you know, go forth and do great work. So they realized that targeting lawyers was the wrong thing to do. They should be targeting law firm practice administrators. So they started a blog about how to be a successful law firm administrator, best practices. you got to love it. And, and how to really um, make his or her life uh, better and more productive and help their career. And um, the sales then turned into a hockey stick because, uh, first off, that company was um, showing that they cared about that prospect. Um, people aren't going to buy from you until they know that you care about them. Yeah. And so they were offering all this information, and they started a relationship with uh, the practice administrator, and then on their blog, they would have calls to action on, you know, click here to download uh, 10 latest trends in law firm practice administration. And then they would convert that into a lead and then, with their permission, continue to send them useful information. And um, that is a good example of zeroing in on who your, your buyer persona is. Um, the, uh, and, I'm, and I'm extremely guilty of having purchased things like that myself. A good example, back to the guys in Cambridge with you, is HubSpot. A couple years ago, I was blogging, and uh, I was doing Internet research uh, for various aspects of things I wanted to write about, and I would found I, I went to uh, websites, and I would download e-books that were really good. And it turned out that some of those things I was downloading were from HubSpot. Yeah. And so they asked just a couple of questions on the forum, but one of them was, are you a marketing agency? Yes, I was. So after I downloaded a few more things, I got a call from them, and I couldn't take the call. But a week later, they left a message, and a week later, I got another call, and I recognized the name on caller ID and said, HubSpot. And I said, oh, I, I know, I recognize that name. So I picked it up, and they said, hey, we noticed you've been downloading some things. Um, did you find what you were looking for? And I said, yeah, this is great. And uh, they said, well, can we tell you what we do? And I said, yeah, you know, I love all the stuff on your site, but I have no idea who you people are or what you do. It's great. They get that all the time. It's fantastic. And so and so within a week, I was a customer. I had to be the easiest to sell. But that was the point. I mean, there's like a big fish hook still in my mouth from being pulled right in. And basically, if you go to that company's site or Marketo's site or a lot of the marketing software companies, you will see that they are not writing about how to run a software company, how to code, no, yeah, yeah, anything like that. They said, all right, who are who are our buyer personas? And I think with HubSpot, it's probably a small business owner, maybe a marketing person, maybe an agency person like myself. What are they writing about? They're writing about what's keeping us up at night or how they can help us. And so every day I'm reading their stuff as well as lots of other blogs. Um, information that's very, very useful to help me be a better marketer, to help my clients, and, and that type of thing. But you see how only with the, the content that was out there was I was I even did I even find these guys. I would have never found them. So um, I think for for startups, you know, if they can focus in on who their real buyer is, not necessarily the owner of that kind of company, and how they can can reach out to them. Um, it would be very helpful, and then I would urge them to build an online platform before they start spending a lot of money in outbound, interruptive messages, which have their place in the marketing field. Certainly, but we're in an era now. It's kind of like after the printing press, where was 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 invented, where companies now are able to build their own online assets that will continue to pull in traffic for them years from now. Um, and it's almost like compound interest, whereas in the past you were really just renting. You were renting a, 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 you 
renting an email list. You were renting advertising. Billboard space. Billboard space. Uh, Google AdWords. It only works as long as you're paying. Whereas this, if you invest in content creation um, with useful information, you're going to start pulling in people with in increasing numbers, and they'll get to know and then like you uh, before they start to trust you and, and buy from you. And just you know, another a great example I like to give on the B2C side is my wife is a dressage competitor. Go figure. And what's that? I said, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's a, um, she is, and she's not in marketing, but she is like any kind of hobbyist or competitor. She wants to do better at her particular thing. So she's reading a lot of blogs, uh, and there are a lot of companies out there that want to sell to her. Feed companies, saddle companies, you know, all those companies it's, it's that I good, see on the It's a good board. niche. It's a good niche. All, yeah, all the companies I see on the credit card statement each month. Yeah, and all those. What, what they're doing is they're not talking about why our saddles are great. They're talking about how to be a better fill-in-the-blank dressage competitor. And she's reading these things. Now, who is she buying from? Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly, buying. exactly. So, so that, that's, that, that, those are some of the starting points I, I would urge uh, a lot of startups to keep in mind. So, yeah, in bar, inbound marketing kind of tenets and principles here, a little bit of the, you know, who, who's actually going to be buying your thing, uh, for mm -hmm. lack of better terms here, uh, and or who do you need to appeal to, playing around and toggling with that a bit, and then setting yourself up with some kind of a web property that can attract the exact kind of person with the kinds of issues, as you had mentioned, that are keeping them up at night and then sell to them. There's an interesting startup newsletter that I'm a part of now, and, and I think it's really fascinating to me, but I think all they're doing is selling insurance to startup companies. I'm pretty sure they got sponsorships from some other companies, and it looks sort of like a, a professional alert deal, and, and it appears to be, but I'm, I'm almost certain it, it's an outfit that makes its money from selling startup insurance so they you know give, they have all kinds of different advice all kinds of different experts but i'm pretty sure they're selling insurance just like hubspot you know will teach you about facebook but ultimately they're selling their software um and oddly enough they're they're so good at content marketing some people actually don't even know what they do um it, interestingly enough they, they get that way more than uh than than uh, i think most people expect after talking to enough folks that are kind of work there and whatnot but great company and, and they're a real ace in in the uh the content space. I think I'm going to stick on this question for just a, a little bit longer in terms of, so we talked about, you know, defining your, your, your um, customer, developing some semblance of a platform and some semblance of genuinely useful content that will attract and appeal uh, to that specific um, kind of person. Let's say you are that software company, you know, and let's say we're talking about the hockey stick again. Um, you know, you're the software company selling to the the lawyer firms, but it's really this manager who's ultimately purchasing your shebang. Um, you know, they didn't, they presumably didn't put up a blog and then win at life. Uh, presumably there were some other things that they did. Did they, did they then buy the list? Did they then hone in their cold calling? Did they then, um, you know, what, what are some other kind of tangible, uh, potential checkboxy type, um, action steps that, that we could, we could, uh, start marching towards um, after that, that customer's sort of been defined at least to a, to a good extent. We've made some sales. We figure out who the person is, what their real problems are. What now does this open up besides building a really nice blog? Well, I think that um, there are other tactical, uh, uh, more outbound types of things that, that work uh, very well. Um, but try to get them to come back to your website to uh, try and strengthen that relationship. So in other words... 
um, don't like if you're doing a Google AdWords, you want to try and pull them back to a landing page related to specifically what you're offering. For instance, instead of saying on Google AdWords, buy our software, you would want to run an ad for something that is going to be uh, best practices for law firm uh, management or something like that where you can see how they say you'd want to use the content to pull them in instead of a, offering to sell them something right away. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of depends. I mean, obviously, if you want to get... Yeah, if you want to get good at AdWords, you're gonna. It's gonna be a pretty solid investment of time. But I, I get what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So in other words, the, the strategy behind that is to, to, to try to pull them back into your to your uh, your online presence to um, develop that relationship. Certainly, if you're going to be uh, going to a trade show and you know there's going to be a lot of uh, you know folks uh, who are your prospects, you can certainly you know get a, get a list beforehand, send things to them. Um, but um, try to remember that I guess I would use the outbound things for more tactical things um, and also like pay-per-click is great if you don't have a lot of time or you need to promote an event and you don't you just don't have time to be able to get that kind of organic yeah uh, through blogs or something activity. exactly yeah. yeah you gotta thump um, it so you know I guess it kind of comes down to um, uh, that type of thing if there's a show that you know makes all kinds of sense I think that most startups should understand that Almost all, almost all of their trade show work needs to happen before the trade show actually starts in terms of trying to line up uh, appointments and uh, getting folks to um, consider interacting with them at big the trade time. show. Um, and that's obviously a big part of the B2B game, right? Yeah, it's going to your industry you trade one, show. One other yeah. better example. Um, you know, um, American Express corporate cards years ago, Years ago, five to ten years ago, I suppose they, they just weren't getting the traction with their advertising to get people to sign up, small businesses to sign up for the corporate cards. So they said, "Well, what what can we do?" And that's when they realized pretty early on, "Well, we've got to start creating our own content that's useful to these small business owners because oh. they really don't care about us, but they want to know how to market their business, how to handle their finances, and how to run that's their business." True. And so they set up the American Express Open Forum, which I would hope uh, I would recommend to all your listeners. It's a really great small business website. Um, they use that, and they're not. I mean, they have calls to action about American Express, and you know that the website is from them. But the the articles are so helpful and so good, and that's the number one place they're getting their corporate card signups from. Huh. Um, good for is, them. Is, Fantastic. It's off that website, not from their advertising. But they're still doing some advertising. Well, what is their advertising? It's not get a corporate card from us. It's come to our online portal with lots of helpful information for small businesses. Yeah, you see yeah, how yeah. they're using the advertising just to drive them to the initial handshake. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty sharp. And then they're hoping that retention and solid content are going to keep people around. Very, um, very 2.0-esque. But uh, clearly, apparently, from what you're saying, I mean, if that's their number one driver of the small biz cards, <laughs> it's 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 doing it. Yeah. It's yeah. doing the job. Fantastic. Cool. Well, I, I know that takes us just up to uh, time here, Douglas. I, I appreciate you diving in. I, uh, I myself am, am going to do some uh, meditating here on this topic of what really keeps up the buyer at night and all the various uh, factors outside of the functionality and the result of the thing, the service, the product, but also their relationship and, and kind of career and, and intercompany dynamics. I think that that is um, something that anybody in B2B uh, should be thinking more about and hopefully some other important lessons to be gleaned as well. Uh, Doug, if, if folks want to learn a little bit more about you, I know you are blogging. I'm not familiar with everywhere you're writing now. Where are the best places to find your stuff about uh, B2B marketing? That would be artillerymarketing.com. Cool. 
and the blog is called The Ford Observer, and we try to talk about you know, B2B marketing basics because there's a lot of very smart, successful people out there who don't get to spend a lot of time in marketing, so they, I find that they're really appreciative when I'm able to try to explain things. Um, if your listeners have any questions, I'd love to hear from them because the questions I get are I'm able to create even more useful content. Cool, fueling, fueling the fire, my good man. And yes, dis mm -hmm. distilling distilling the good stuff is certainly why folks go to blogs in the first place. So cool. So you guys heard it from Douglas, where to find him. Douglas, thank you very much today for taking the time to be here on Tech Emergence. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week.